We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. I will tell you that when Pastor said we're going to do a, a, a series on Ephesians, I, I very rarely say, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> but I did on this one because I, Ephesians is really my favorite book in the whole Bible. Um, all of the other books are wonderful and great, and um, I have learned immensely from all of them, but Ephesians for me just has the answers for me that I need. Um, it has the answers that I can give to someone else and, and it's not that you don't find those things in other books, you do. But Ephesians encapsulates it all in a book that I can read in 20 minutes. I mean, you think about that. You can read this book in 20 to 30 minutes if you're a slow reader, which I am. And so I love that when I am really just looking for um, just some rock-solid theology, I can go to Ephesians. When I'm looking to be encouraged, I can go to Ephesians. When I need an answer, I can go there. And that's what I love about it. It's a letter that was written by Paul to a church. Now you think, listen, listen to this. He wrote this to a church of imperfect people who were learning about what God did for them and why he did it. They were learning about who they were in Christ. They were learning about what the blood of Jesus purchased for them and meant for them in their life. They were learning about the plan that God had for them. And they were learning how to live for God. Does that sound like us? That's us. And so when we read this book and we, we see the instruction that Paul is giving to the Ephesians, most of the time it would apply to us. And I'm grateful for that because I am still, even all of those things, all of those things, I'm still learning who I am in Christ. I know a lot more about who I am in Christ right now than I knew a year ago. I know a whole lot more than I knew 10 years ago, but I'm still learning about who I am in Christ. I'm still learning about what the blood of Jesus bought for me. The, the full scope of, of what that, the implications of the blood of Christ in my life. I'm still learning about that. I'm still learning about the plan of God for me. I'm still learning how to live for God. And so it's a book that no, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, you know, you think about this, and, and, and Chapman was, made a reference to this in the office one day, and he was talking, you know, we're all at different places in our walk with the Lord, and some of us feel really condemned about where we are compared to someone else. And remember, we've talked a lot about joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. So do not 
be comparing where you are in your walk with the Lord to someone else. Because I don't care if you're 75 years old, if you aren't, if you're three years old with the Lord, you still walk and act like a toddler in your spirit walk, in your walk with the Lord. And there is nothing wrong with that. None of us get mad at a toddler for acting like a toddler. So we, I love this book because it, it, wherever we are in our walk with the Lord, there's something for us to learn and to gain from it. This book, it teaches me, it excites me about Jesus, it encourages me, inspires me, it corrects me, it equips me, and it empowers me to live a life of obedience and service. That's what it does for me. And we get to see how Paul addressed people who were in the same types of situations that we are, are in. He taught them how to pray. I have, and I've, I've, I've handed these out a couple of times at different times when I've taught, but I pray prayers out of Ephesians all the time. Some of the best prayers that you can pray are, are found in the book of Ephesians. And so I pray out of Ephesians, and, and I love this book because it just reminds me of CMC. It, it, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe in the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe in, that He operates in the gifts that He gives. We believe in the practical application of the Word. And we try to give one, two, threes. And, 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 and those two things aren't often in, found within the same church. A lot of times people are either uber-spiritual and they operate in the gifts and that's what they do and it's all wonderful, or they're so practical that they never go to the... But we're both. And, and, and that's, that's a balanced church. That is what Paul taught us to be, spiritual and practical. And I've said this many times, but some of the most... Spiritual things that you can do are incredibly practical things. Just be on time when you go places. See, that speaks volumes to people. Just, just do what you say you're going to do. That, that seems practical, but in truth, it's very spiritual in nature. And, and it speaks and ministers to people when you do that. So today we're going to cover chapter 1 of Ephesians. So here's what we're not going to do. We're not doing a verse-by-verse -verse study of Ephesians. Um, we're going to look at, at prevailing themes in Ephesians that pertain to our theme for this year, which is the God kind of life. So, so the prevailing themes in chapter 1 are, are this, spiritual blessings and prayer for wisdom. All right? So I want to start by reading Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. Um, now, I will tell you earlier in, in, in verse 1 or 2, it's, he, he says he's, he's sending this letter to God's holy people. All right? Are you God's holy people? All right, then this is for you. So starting in verse 3, it says this, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great 
pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us this mysterious plan or will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews uh, who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. And he did this so we would praise and glorify him. That's pretty awesome right there. I want to start with verse 3. And like I said, we're not going through verse by verse. But I want to give you a quick grammar lesson because, you know, I am the English teacher in the room. And so how can we have a, a sermon without a, a short grammar lesson? So in verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. All right, some of the versions say this. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Three blessings, three blesses, blessed. Three forms of the word bless. Interestingly, they're all three different forms of the same word. One of them's an adjective, one's a verb, and one's a noun. Now I'm not going to call on you. I think I got some, some high school kids out there, though, that could answer the questions. But the first bless that we read in verse 3 is actually an adjective, which is a describing word. And it's describing God himself. Blessed be God. All praise to God. All right. God is, blessed is an adjective that describes who God is. He is blessed. But then it goes on to say... Um, who, oh, let me get back up here. He, okay, blessed be God who has blessed us. And that blessed, that second blessed is what? A verb. Good job, Michelle. <laughs> the second one's a verb. It's an action. All right, God's doing something here. So he is blessed and now he is actively blessing us. And what's he blessing us with? A noun. He's blessing us with blessings. All right? That describes us. Are we blessed to be a blessing to other people? That is a description of God. We're not putting ourselves on the level of God, but what I'm telling you is that is, that should describe us. Christians who walk around... And act all, woe is me, when in fact you are blessed. You are blessed. 
And if you can't live and act and look blessed, please don't tell people you're a Christian. Because you're doing more harm than good. But we are blessed. That describes who we are. And we should be actively working and looking for opportunities to verb bless other people. What should we bless them with? Well, we should bless them with persons, places, or things. So we bless them with things. When, when we had our project Christmas, the whole idea was we're going to bless people with some stuff. Sometimes what we bless people with is something you can hold in your hand, and sometimes it's smiling at someone. Sometimes it's hugging someone when you see that they need that. But we are blessed. We should be blessing others with blessings. So I love that about God because it gives us a picture of what we should be looking like as Christians. So, so there's two things that I said we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about spiritual blessings and then prayer for spiritual wisdom. So um, I'm going to state the obvious about spiritual blessings. These are spiritual. They're not material. When we talk about the blessing of God... So much of the time, our minds go to the material. And we think if we're not being blessed with material things, well, we're just not blessed. And that's not true. And here's why. Because it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's holding nothing back from you. He's all in when it comes to you and giving you the the things that will most bless your life. And what are those things? What are the things that will most bless us? We're going to figure that out here in just a minute. But but the the spiritual blessings of God are what change us. The spiritual blessings of God meet our true needs. And oftentimes we're praying for what we think are our needs. All the while, God is meeting our true needs. And we're over here going, well, I just wish God would do something for me. I just, no, he he did. It's done. The moment that you believed on Jesus Christ and you made him your Lord, God the Father gave you every spiritual blessing. Every one of them. He held nothing back. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, in verse 4 it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Loved, past tense. Chose, past tense. That happened before he made the world. He loved you. He chose you. In Jeremiah 1.5 it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Never forget that. You are loved and you are chosen. And, and God did that before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born. Before you grew up. Before you started acting yeah. crazy and doing dumb things. He knew you were going to do all of that. 
and he loved you and he chose you. It says, before God formed you, he loved you, he chose you, he blessed you by having a great plan for your life. What's that plan? Here's what I love about this. So it says, <laughs> this is the way I need God to speak to me, okay? It says that um, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will or his mysterious plan, some of the versions say, re regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And then it says this. And this is the plan. I need God to speak like that to me. And he tells us what the plan is. That he's going to bring Christ into the, to the, into the world to save us. That's the mysterious plan. Uh, but it says that um, when Christ comes in, what's he coming in to do? He's coming in so that we might be adopted into God's own family through Christ. It was his choice to do that. And the idea, it says, of him bringing us into his family, adopting us into his family, that brought him great pleasure. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words. He said, it brought me great pleasure when I think about you coming into the family. God knew you would blow it. God knew that Adam and Eve would sin. He knew that the world would be given over to his enemy. He knew all of that. He knew that his son would have to die for him to have a relationship with us. He knew that before creation. He knew that people, more people would reject him than would, would accept him. He knew that. He knew that the world he created to be a paradise would degenerate and devolve yeah. he knew all of that but he loved us enough that it was worth that to him he knew it all and it gave him great pleasure to think of you and me in his own family and the length that he would go to would be worth the heartbreak to him because it's heartbreaking to him God has a heart. God has emotions and, and, and it was heartbreaking to him. But it would be worth it to him for us to be able to be reconciled. How is that even possible? It is only by his glorious grace and his kindness. In verse 7 it tells us that God is so rich in kindness and grace. And those two aspects of his character, grace and kindness, compelled him to bless us even further when we didn't deserve it, even knowing that we, we would be crying crucify him, even knowing it would cost him immeasurably, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. So we had an English lesson. Let's have a math lesson. Let's look at what it says in, in Ephesians. The glorious grace and the kindness of God, those two things that we're adding here, glorious grace plus God's kindness plus the blood of Jesus, what does that equate to? Reconciliation. And God is always about reconciliation. See, God was willing to go to any length to sacrifice the most precious thing to him to be reconciled to us. And we get 
we get hung up on, well, anything compared to what, what Jesus went through is piddly. I mean, really, when you think about it. Reconciliation with God, that was his highest goal, and he gave up what he had to give up to be reconciled to us. To be reconciled means this. It means to restore to friendship or harmony, but it also means to settle and resolve. And when God sent his son for us, he settled the, the animosity that was between us. He made a way for us so that we could be brought into his own family. And guess what? He's given us full rights as a family member. This is what's so cool. He didn't bring us in and we're not on, on, on you know, it's not like a trial run. It's not, he's not trying us free for seven days and then has to pay for us if we work out. We have full rights as children. Full rights as children. How do we know this? Because we're in his will. Have you ever thought about that? We're in his, he put us in his will. Verse 11 says that we have received an inheritance from God. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that inheritance. The Amplified Version, I love the way it says it. It says in verses 13 and 14, it says it this way. It says, In him you also who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, gospel of your salvation, and have believed in and adhered to and relied on him. Okay, that's, that's real wordy, but let's get, this is the, the important part. We're stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. That Spirit, listen to this, is the guarantee of our inheritance. The fir- th- these are important words here. The first fruits, the pledge, and foretaste. The down payment on our heritage. In anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, I want you to think about something. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance. He's a foretaste and a promise of what is ours as children of God. The Holy Spirit is the key to living the God kind of life. And I want you to see why. Because Paul said it like this. He said the Holy Spirit being the down payment on our inheritance. When you think about what a down payment is, What is that? It's a small part of the whole. Okay. But but to to take it even a little bit further, I want you to think about like this. Okay, if I make a down payment on something, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to put 20% down on it. Okay? So it's a $100,000 house, which doesn't exist anymore. But um, (laughs) but I'm going to take $20,000... And I'm going to go and to, to the closing, and I'm going to have $20,000 there. Is that $20,000, is that a different kind of dollar? It's the exact same kind of dollar as the 80000 that I'm going to pay, right? They're the exact same. So when the Holy Spirit is the down payment... He is, exact, he, he, he is giving us access to the God kind of life that is to come, but that God wants us to experience right now. It's not different than what we will experience later. The inheritance is the inheritance. 
I'm getting a little bit of it now. And that little bit that we can get right now is so beyond what we can imagine that, that, that when we get the full thing, it's going to blow our minds. It's not some pseudo-inheritance that we get to walk in right now. Kind of a, a parallel universe type of... No, it's our inheritance. And it, it's ours. We are full members with full rights as children of God. So the inheritance is the inheritance. It's a part or a portion of the real inheritance. A foretaste of the real deal. And it should compel us to live in such a way that we aren't dreading death. We aren't dreading the end of something because we recognize that this is, I mean, if it's this good now, I'm looking forward to what is to come. The God kind of life that we live out in heaven can be lived out here when we recognize the God kind of life for what it really is. And here's what it is. It is spiritual blessing. What are the spiritual blessings? Love, joy, peace, righteousness. And when we start to, be, to, to see that those things are already in us, that when we accept Christ through the glorious grace of God, we receive those things and they are inside of us already. See, the only, only thing, you, you, you don't have to work to get them in there. When, when we're working at it is when we're kind of squashing them. When we're not, we're working harder to not let them out than we are. It, it'd just be a lot easier if we just let go. But when I'm motivated by a God kind of love, joy, peace, and righteousness, I act differently. I just do. When, when I recognize that that God kind of love, that God kind of joy, that God kind of peace, Jesus' own righteousness is in me, that excites me and it, it inspires me. It motivates me and I act differently. When my actions are motivated by the God kind of love, peace, and, and joy, righteousness, when I, I get the God kind of results, and what is that? It's the God kind of life. When I begin to, to recognize what's already inside of me it's already inside of you we're looking for something as if we got to find it it's in you i mean what pastors taught on joy we're trying to fix outside things or we're trying to fix inside things with outside measures it never works ever In John 14, it says this. It says, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. So when I truly love God, and, and, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of disobedience in the church. And, and there's a difference between um, things that you don't know yet, because we're responsible for what we know to be sin. All right? So when you know something is sin and you, you do it anyway... You, you are held accountable for that. 
But when, but when we truly love God, we will have a heart of obedience. Doesn't mean you won't ever make a mistake. Doesn't mean you won't ever sin and have to repent and turn from something. But it means that you have a heart of obedience toward God when you truly love him. So when you truly love God, you desire righteousness. And I think every single one of us do that. You want to be obedient. And here's what's great. When you're obedient, you live in the favor of God. When you live in the favor of God, you begin to see the God kind of life manifest around you. You don't have to go, you know, you're peeking through and trying to find it. It's, it's just there. You don't even know how it got there. Except that you do because it's about obedience to the Lord. When you are walking in obedience, you will experience the God kind of life. The favor of God is seeing the God kind of life manifest around you in the natural realm. But don't, don't start looking for it in the natural realm. And that's, that's where we make mistakes is it starts in here. So spiritual blessings include reconciliation with God, our inheritance, and the Holy Spirit as a down payment on that inheritance. The next thing, though, that I want to talk about is found in the next few verses. So we're going to read starting in verse 15. It says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light. I love that part. Um, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Here's what's cool. You just read the first chapter. All right? It's not, it's not that hard. So the second prevailing theme of Ephesians is this. It's prayer, specifically prayer for spiritual wisdom. Um, and Paul prayed that God would give spiritual wisdom and insight. And so as you're praying for someone, I'm telling you, that's a good place to start. Sometimes we're praying for people and we're praying our agenda on them. When in fact, our agenda isn't what is best for them. It's usually best for us. But it's not necessarily what's best for them. And, and we go through these seasons of time where we think we know. When in, and I can look back on my life and I think about some of the things I prayed for. And I think, thank God I, I didn't get what I asked for in that case. Because God knows what we need and what we need more than anything else is wisdom and insight so you can pray that for yourself and you can pray that for other people spiritual or wisdom and insight and he prayed that their hearts would be flooded with light what happens have you guys ever been in your bedroom at night in the dark and you think you see something Whew, yeah 
When I'm driving home um, from my parents, I always go see my parents on Sunday nights. And, and um, when I'm driving home from their house, there's this one place on the highway that I have to drive. And, it, and it's, it's real strange because it's got a mailbox. And from a distance, from a far distance, every time, every single time, I'm like, oh, there's a deer down there. Every time. And the closer I get, the more it becomes flooded with light the more I'm able to see what's actually there, which is a mailbox. It's the same thing when, when you're in the bedroom and you're looking and you think you see something and you turn the light on and you, it's laughable. Shelby teases me about, this was in the broad daylight so that I probably deserve to be teased, but you know, you just think you see things certain sometimes. And one time we were driving to school and we drove by this, this place and there was this big black thing in a tree and I was like, oh, I think that's a bear. We stopped. I mean, we, I, we didn't get out, but we stopped and we sat there and we looked and we looked and until we just figured out that it was a trash bag that had flown up in the... <laughs> but you know, I mean, we, when our hearts are flooded with light, there's no mistaking truth. It reveals things to us. So when Paul's saying, I pray that their hearts would be flooded with light, he's saying, God, show them the truth. Show them what's real. Show them what's right. So give them spiritual wisdom and insight and show them the truth. And you pray that for yourself and you pray that. I pray that for my children. I pray that for anybody that I don't know what to pray for them. And if I'm even remotely in question about what to pray for them, that's what I pray. Some of your versions say that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. It's important that we pray for people in that, in that way. Paul is praying that God's people would be blessed with the things that will compel them to go deeper and farther in their relationship with God. And that's the God kind of life. He goes on to pray that they would understand the incredible greatness of God's power, which is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Can you imagine if we got spiritual insight and wisdom. Can you imagine if we coupled that with our hearts being flooded with light and then got this revelation of the power of God? Yeah. We would be unstoppable. The word heart that is used in this passage here that their hearts would be flooded with light. It's the Greek word um, dianoia. And I, I want you to know that's, it's actually not a reference to, to the heart. Pa Pastor did a great job of teaching us that sometimes when the Bible's talking about the heart, sometimes it's talking about your spirit, sometimes it's talking about your mind, sometimes it's talking about both. But in this case, it's actually talking about your mind. Now you think about that, your, your heart being flooded with light. Yeah. It's talking about your mind, your thoughts and your emotions, shining light on the thoughts and emotions that you are, are allowing yourself to have because emotions are, we can control them. I know a lot of people think we can't, but we can. Um, but when, when God's light shines on those things, if we could get our thought life right and get our emotions in check, and then we could have w wisdom and insight, and then we could have the power of God. Oh, my goodness. So 
Paul is praying a powerful prayer here. And he's praying a prayer that I pray and I think you should pray. With that kind of knowledge, with that kind of truth, and a full understanding of the power of God, and knowing that that is in me, it changes everything. Christ is, has been, it says in the end, Christ has been given authority over all things. And he has. It's, that's, that's good news for us. But he's also delegated that authority to us. And that's pretty amazing. That's a whole, it's a series in itself. But the fact of the matter is, we walk in the same power and authority. It says that we would do even greater things than what Christ did. But we got to understand, we got to have the wisdom and insight. We've got to have the understanding, a revelation of the power of God for us to do that. God, through Paul, in the book of Ephesians, teaches us why we can live the God kind of life. And he teaches us how to live the God kind of life. He teaches us how to pray for others so that they can live the God kind of life. That pretty much covers everybody. And I, I think you guys are going to love this series. I, I pray that you will plug into it. It's going to be so good. And I'm just saying right now, if anybody can't be here to preach theirs, just let me know. I'll take it. I just love this book because it just gets me so excited about the Lord and his ability to use an imperfect person like me. And, um, and I think that that's what we are all looking for is that kind of encouragement, that kind of empowerment. So let's stand. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.